Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I fill it out. First three quarters, it's always a, 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 a feel for me. Um, trying to understand how they guard me, how they guard us as a team, what's open, and I try to execute that come fourth quarter. A lot of my shots are short in the first half. I didn't let that worry me. Um, just came out when it when to try to close it out in the fourth quarter. We're back with more of the Miller Light Top Draft Show at Dunning Poorhouse, 7718 West Addison, with Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron, presented by Miller Light. It's Miller Time on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, and always live on the free Odyssey app. You can tell the drinks are flowing because people are cheering louder as the show goes on. That's right, baby. And Dunning Poorhouse, and correct me if I'm wrong, reminds me of a place that the super fans, you know, the Bears, it feels like that, this is a place that. where they would be at. Yeah. It's very like Chicago. I see that. You got some old style signage here. Yeah, couple, very, very they even quaint. got a drawing of the, of the four guys very, back there. Very so. close knit, very neighborhoody. Yeah, that is neighbor, yeah. very neighborhood. They got a little spot in the back too that I haven't ventured into yet. I'm not sure if I that's, that's the just kitchen. the kitchen. Are we sure that's all it is? I don't know. There's a lot oh, of space more? back there. Oh, it's one of those places. Uh huh. Right. Where you can get lost. Little, little in the secret, sauce secret cubby holes. Probably some some laundering that went on back then, and I ain't oh, talking about clothes. I can only imagine how many bodies are underneath this building you know, right here. You know, it's one of those uh, kind of spots. That, what I'll say is this, man. We are here until nine o'clock. Uh, we do have some cool giveaways for those of you that are here. If you haven't already, you sign up over here. We got some Bears tickets that we're going to be giving away, and then we also have an opportunity for you to get on field at a Bears game. Again, the way to do that. At Soldier Field? Maybe Arlington, depending on when it happens. Nah. Okay. All right. <laughs> nah, at so Soldier sure Field. about which cleats you're going to wear down there. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So make sure you guys get down here so that that way you can win some of these prizes. Again, we'll be here till 9 o'clock at the Miller Lite Top Draft Show. Now we get an opportunity to talk about some Bulls. Of course, they just finished dominating. That's what I'll say. Dominating the Utah Jazz. Sure. Ah, it was a comeback, comeback win. <laughs> um, but to discuss the game with us, Joining us right now on the Cir Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He covers the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, he is Rob Schaefer. Rob, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, what do you think about the game against the Utah Jazz? I mean, Bulls going to the West Coast and winning in Utah? Was, was, was it as surprising to you as it was to me? Maybe not surprising, but a good win. Uh, that Utah team started the season off hot, right? But it's kind of come down to earth. I think that Bulls game was their fifth loss in a row. But when you saw the way they were kind of blitzing them from three in the first half, Lowry Markin specifically, it, it looked like a game that could 
get away from the Bulls, um, you know, especially being down double digits in that third quarter. What was, you know, encouraging or good to see about the win, one, they did it on the defensive end, you know, scoring 19 points off turnovers in the second half. Utah cooled down a little bit. Jump shooting-wise, it looked like they kind of short-circuited um, once that, you know, part of the game, aspect of the game wasn't going their way. Uh, and then you got, you know, the Bulls, you know, they they found big buckets in the clutch. DeMar, Patrick Williams getting that steal. Kobe White hitting a three. Uh, you know, this Bulls team was pretty good in the clutch last season, haven't been as good this year. So to do all of that against a team that's above 500 on the road uh, is always a good thing. Uh, and it, you know, kind of wipes the taste of that Oklahoma City game out of their mouths. Teams in this kind of perennial annual kind of purgatory that the Bulls are often in here where it's like, are, are they, are they good? Are they, are they, they're definitely not great, but they're not bad and they're not going to win a champion. And it, it just has everyone look at certain pieces of the roster to figure out what can they get rid of to kind of get them to another plateau. Kobe White has been one of the main names that has been a part of those conversations in recent seasons. But now it feels like we're in the early stretch of some kind of Kobe White renaissance here where he's turning into this player. A lot of folks have been hoping he would be, you know, sharp shooting from three, urgency on each end of the court, running the court, finishing at the rack. What, what do you credit the version of Kobe White that we've seen so far coming back from injury? Yeah, I think just finding his rhythm, right? He obviously got off to a slow start to the year before, uh, you know, he had that quad injury, kept him out, whatever it was eight games or so he shot the ball a lot better since coming back. And frankly, he's gotten, you know, opportunity. I think he's, he's a rhythm type player that needs more than, you know, a spot three or four minutes here and there uh, to kind of find find his stride, you know, with Dragic being out with that shoulder stinger. And it looks like they're still kind of easing him back in. Kobe has had the opportunity to get into games a little bit more often. I think he's run with it. I mean, he's closed two of the last three games, um, played more minutes than Dragic uh, and Io DeSumo. Uh, against Utah. So it's it's good to see for Kobe because this is a team that's obviously a little bit starved for three-point shooting. So, you know, if he can be that type of presence off the ball, um, that's obviously something that the Bulls will benefit from. <clears throat> but one thing you bring up, the trade prospect, I mean, that's something you got to think about too. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. The clock is kind of ticking on the Bulls. You know, are they going to – you know, the, the, he'll obviously be restricted in the offseason. They can match, you know, any contract offer from another team he gets. Uh, but, you know, he was a guy that they had trade offers for in the offseason. The value didn't line up. If, you know, he plays his way into having a little bit more value over the course of the season, maybe that's one avenue to improve in the roster. Um, you know, the front office doesn't let much on in that regard. They, they've really stressed the continuity thing. So, and, and obviously they need guard depth with Lonzo still out. Uh, but whatever way you look at it, whether you want Kobe traded or, or whether, you know, you want to see this team shoot the ball a little bit better, him playing well uh, is a positive thing. We're talking to Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez alongside Anthony Heron. You know, you brought up Dragic missing some time and, and how that affected Kobe White. And I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, Rob. I think that, you know, he's learned from Dragic in a way that he didn't necessarily um, fulfill that learning potential from Thomas Sadoransky, right? Where they asked him, they said, hey... You, you need to be a, more of a, of a, of a distributor and, and, and score second kind of mentality. But then Dragic comes, comes in and you see him with that second unit where, yeah, he's a facilitator, but he's not always defaulting to, to, to Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan, who, who's ever running that second unit. If, if, if there's five on the shot clock, 
Jokic can create his own shot. And I think that that level of intensity has trickled down to Kobe White where he understands, like, hey, I can, I can score too. I can create my own shots. And I don't, I'm not going to get in trouble if I don't give Zach or DeMar the ball. And, you know, I think that it's also about confidence too, And I mean, when you're looking at Kobe White, you know, he looks to a guy like Zach Levine for his confidence, mm. the same way that Io looks to DeMar DeRozan. I think for whatever reason, they just have that sort of chemistry. So, so it's been really cool to see. Um, but, but, but I mentioned earlier that I feel like it really is, stems from the play of, of Goran Dragic. Do you feel like he's, like he's happy with his decision to come to Chicago um, so far, you know, from what you've seen from him this season? Or do you, do you think there's a level where he's like, man, I'm a veteran. I wish I would have went on a team that, that would have been competing 100% for a championship. No, I mean, I, I, everything I from everything I can glean, Goran is, is very happy in Chicago. And, you know, he was obviously, you know, found a real home in, in Miami, you know, was an all-star with the Heat, made a finals run. <clears throat> and then they moved on from him in that, in that Kyle Lowry trade. He kind of wandered the wilderness, uh, you know, for the last season, being in Toronto, being in Brooklyn. Obviously, that situation flamed out early in the playoffs last year. But from everything I can tell, I mean, obviously, Nikola Vucevic was also a big part of bringing Goran here. That You know, there's a lot of mutual respect uh, and a friendship there. Dragic, I, I think he thinks he is in a situation um, where a team is competing for deep uh, playoff success. Obviously, they're bringing him along, slowly managing his minutes so that he's fresh um, come postseason time. But I, I think he's happy, and, I, you know, I think you could see it in, in, in his production level. Uh, this has certainly been a good stop for him so far and you know we'll see how it continues to develop i think the luxury of having a redundancy at the guard spot is that the bulls are able to kind of weather a all right we can take it easy for you if you have this bump or this bruise here and there because you do have a guy like kobe waiting in the wings you do have a guy like io who you could put heavy minutes on uh and rely on him you do have a you know a multiple time all-star in in zach levine that you can lean on um so yeah no i i think this has been a, a pretty good uh marriage both ways uh between goran Dragic and the bulls so we're we're about a week and a half removed from when Zach Levine got benched in the fourth quarter. And Bulls have won three out of four since you had the, the public back and forth between Billy Donovan and Zach Levine about that. And frankly, I feel like both guys kind of, you know, handled their, their role in the aftermath of that as, as well as you could expect. Levine was honest up front, and frankly, so was Billy Donovan. And Billy Donovan was doing what a coach was paid to do. He made decisions, and it does seem that you're getting a more – and Zach Levine's never been necessarily a slacker. But I went to that Boston game afterwards, and it was, it was the most urgent that all the Bulls have been collectively in that game against the Celtics. So I guess my, my question would be, how much credit do we give to Billy Donovan being willing to sit down the highest paid member of the Chicago Bulls? How much credit do we give that for what we've seen in the last four games since? Yeah, I think you could give him, you can give Billy credit for that, especially because he has the reputation of a coach that does, you know, coaches star players and his young players differently. I think pushing that button and holding his quote unquote big three uh, accountable for the team's slow starts and kind of just not setting a good enough tone. I think that certainly had, you know, the des- or has had the desired effect in all the games after um, the Orlando game. Obviously, you alluded to it, it. You know, that decision did irk Zach a little bit. Both both guys have kind of handled it professionally kind of just agreed to disagree on it. Um, but, you know, it, it, certainly you got to, it's hard to ignore the correlation between that. And then, you know, frankly, the Bulls best two defensive performances of the season against Boston and then Milwaukee, which, which was obviously a signature road 
win. So, yeah, I, I definitely give Billy credit for that. He's, he, he's, he's made that message clear that, you know, as much as we could tweak the rotation here or there, we could ask for Patrick Williams to take a couple more shots a game. Ultimately, the, the fact of the matter is the Bulls are getting outscored by opponents when Zach, Damar, and Vooch are on the floor together this year. The theory of this roster revolves around those three guys, however much you want to talk about, you know, like I said, Pat, Io, Kobe, Lonzo, when he's coming back. Like, those three guys have played together a lot, even when things have been good and bad over the last two seasons, and they got to get uh, more back to the good. Uh, I will say, though, Zach, individually, as much as I've liked what I've seen from him defensively, uh, offensively, just has not hit his stride yet. Coming back from the knee, looks like he's still a little affected by that, you know, in terms of his explosion around the basket. And, uh, you know, especially late in games, haven't really loved his shot selection. So I think he's got to tighten up a lot of that stuff. You, you can just see it in the numbers. He, he is not the player that he's been the last three or four years for this Bulls team. The hope has to be that, you know, he can find his rhythm uh, as he gets more reps here and, and as the season goes on. He definitely missed some shots that he'd normally hit, you know, in seasons past. So that's that's been a bit frustrating when watching these Bulls games. We're talking to Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez along with Anthony Heron. Um, you know, you touched on the, the, the Milwaukee game. I mean, and, and obviously they were playing some great defense, but it was also some three great three-point shooting. I mean, obviously the Bulls having one of their highest marks of the season in that game against Boston. Uh, even DeMar went three for three in that game. And so, Rob, my question for you, you know, just piggybacking off this DeMar thing, is how the hell do we get DeMar and Zach to both play at a high level while they're on the floor at the same time? Because it seems like Bulls are always starting slow in the first quarter. And then when they get to their rotations where either Zach or DeMar is on the floor individually running the second, their respective second units, you know, the Bulls do well because their second team is significantly better than it was last year. But then it's in that fourth quarter where you're bringing the starting unit back together and you really see the deficiencies there of how the offense operates and is not necessarily the, the well-oiled machine that we'd want it to be. So how do we get them to play at that high level while they're on the floor at the same time? Yeah, Gabe, I'm, pro- I'm probably not smart enough to, uh, to know the full answer to that question. So I, I do this – is, this is what's great about the media job, right? I can defer to the, to the coaches and executives on that uh, in, in full. I would say one idea that I've had – I want your opinion. I'm give, and, I'll, and I'll give you my – one, one thing that I think about a lot watching these games, right? DeMar, such a reliable decision maker, doesn't turn the ball over, and such a reliable shot creator, right? He can get to his spot at any time and get off a look. Uh, that he's going to put on the rim, and it's generally going to have a good chance of going in, whether it's from the mid-range, like you said, he's made you know threes on, on a couple different nights this year, getting to the basket, drawing a foul. You know, him be, being the primary ball handler of this Bulls team, especially down the stretch of games, feels like uh, you know the best course of action for this team, especially because when he draws two, it opens up a lot you know for the for the guys on the back end of those rotations. What I've liked from Zach, even while you know he's been kind of struggling with this knee thing looks like he's trying to find himself in terms of his shot selection and things like that him as kind of a you know off ball coming off screens flying around the three-point arc cutting and slashing the athleticism that he still does have makes him you know pretty dangerous in that regard as a cutter and then also his off ball shooting I mean it's part of what makes him such a devastating offensive weapon is that versatility that he's so explosive with the ball in his hands and, and, you know, has that step back kind of off the dribble jumper game, but can also fly around screens and distract defenses, be that decoy, but also, um, you know, be a pretty devastating play finisher when his teammates find him. 
I think that's probably the more appropriate kind of delineation of roles between those two. Zach a little bit more off the ball because he can hurt you in so many ways doing that, and DeMar on the ball because he's so reliable. That balance, though, it's been more give and take, right? Especially, like, I think that Thunder game is a good example. It's been more give and take of kind of your turn, my turn, isolation. I think that's part of what Billy Donovan has tried to kick a little bit this season as opposed to last season's offense. So, I mean, that'd be one idea that I would have. The question is, you know, one, Billy has mentioned that coming flying around off screens like that was a little tough on Zach's knee last year. Uh, how does he feel doing that this year? Um, you know, it seems like he's feeling better, so maybe. Uh, and then also just, you know, is he accepting, would he be accepting of a role like that? Uh, I think a little bit more of that uh, would be probably good for the team, uh, but it's just a question of if it fits kind of the player's uh, mentality. Uh, I'm not so sure of that, but I will be interested to see uh, if stuff like that, you know, Zach a little bit more off the ball. Uh, gets incorporated over the course of the year. Man, don't defer to, to to management, Rob. That was a great answer. I think that's exactly I was. I was impressed. how something like that should go yeah. down. Rob, we appreciate you hanging out with us this evening, man. Have have a great night, all right? All right, thanks, guys. Rob Schaefer with some great stuff right there from NBC Sports Chicago, hanging out with us here on 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. All right, we're going to shift from some NBA over to some college football, man. I think that the end of this college football season is one that a lot of people should be paying attention to, not only because there could be some potential uh, uh, future uh, players for the Chicago Bears there, but there's some, some really good parity happening in the college football world. So we get a chance to talk to Joshua Perry from the Big Ten Network right after this, and who does he think is going to walk away with the college football championship? We'll discuss on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Here at the Miller Lite Top Draft Show at Dunning Poorhouse, 7718 West Addison in Chicago. We'll be back after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Michigan sideline spills out on the field at the Horseshoe in Columbus. And for the first time since 99 and 2000, the Michigan Wolverines have beaten the Ohio State Buckeyes in back-to-back seasons. As the final seconds tick away off the clock here at the Horseshoe, a battle of undefeated teams goes to the Wolverines. Final score, Michigan 45, Ohio State 23. The Michigan Wolverines are headed to the Big Ten Championship game. Final call right there, Michigan-Ohio State, Westwood won. It was a shocker to me. I was talking to everybody, and I was like, why are we even having these conversations? I am a college football expert. I've been watching this for one year, and I know that Ohio State is going to beat Michigan. Uh But that's why you play the game, Anthony Heron. That is why you play the game. And to discuss that and the college football playoff, joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is the football analyst for Big Ten Network, also co-host on The Rally. Of course, we were talking about none other than Joshua Perry. Joshua, what up, man? It's been a little while since we got to talk last, but appreciate being on the show. And Anthony Heron got more jobs than anybody I know, and I can appreciate that because your boy likes work too. Josh, Josh, he reminds me of like that in Living Color skit, you know? Yes, you got yes. Six, I, got I know six, the one that you're talking man. about. <laughs> you man, only you, got six jobs, man. You, you got to remember how young Joshua is, though. You know what I mean? He, he's probably heard of it. Oh, probably never bad. really seen. I watched it, bro. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at the high, the high bro, I feel like every time I talk to you, you like to take a shot. Whether it's my shoes that don't match, whether it's my suit that you think is too tight, it's always something with you, bro. Very purple. It's a very, very tight purple suit. Now he's a big muscular guy, so it works for him. But I'm just saying, just making I, an observation. I know, I know. Josh is an R&B dude, so if there's one thing, he's got an old soul. So I'm sure uh-huh. Living Color probably crossed the screen, you know, a couple times. You know, maybe some Martin episodes too. You never, you never know. Uh, Josh, let's talk about uh, first the, the big game that happened on on Saturday, man. Ohio State, Michigan. Is that one that surprised you, or were you like some of these Big Ten pundits that thought, no, Michigan had, had, had a favorable chance and, and they might have ended up on top? No, I, I wasn't surprised necessarily at the outcome of the game. I, I think Michigan's a very good football team, and even dating back to last year, I was putting out tweets when Ohio State played Purdue two weeks before they played Michigan, and then again when they played Michigan State the week before that Ohio State could be beaten by Michigan. So this is not a shock to me. I, I respect what's going on in that program and everything that they've done. How it played out, I think, was the shocking part to me. And, and you can go back into that game and you can look at critical moments. J.J. McCarthy weathered storms because he looked rattled early on in the game and then he made some big plays. Donovan Edwards showed really good patience in the run game because he was averaging under three yards per carry up until he had those two long runs. And then you look at Ohio State defensively, you have some coverage busts, you have a missed tackle, They lead to some really explosive plays. And offensively, I think Ohio State got really conservative in how they wanted to call the game. So to me, it was very different than a year ago where it was a physical domination for Michigan. It seemed like Ohio State didn't belong on the same field. 
as you think analytically and rationally about this football game, I think it was a physical stalemate, but Michigan certainly made more big plays than Ohio State did, and that was the difference in the game. I think it was more between the years this year. Uh, but I was shocked at the way that the victory came for the Wolverines. And the, the college football player rankings just came out a little bit earlier this evening, and so you've got, no surprise, Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two. TCU at number three, USC at number four, and checking in at number five, the Ohio State University Buckeyes. So based off the results that you were just discussing from over the weekend, I mean, you know, the rankings are where Ohio State's at five, so there's obviously a path for them to make the playoff, but from what you saw against Michigan, did Ohio State look like a team that, that should still potentially finish the season within that top four? That's a really difficult question, Anthony, and I'm glad you asked it because there is a thought process that they were a handful of plays away from being on the winning end of that football game. I mean, and you break it down, Michigan had they had 55 plays with 180 yards and 10 points, and then they had five plays for 349 points or 349 yards and five touchdowns. Right, so it was definitely a tale of two games, but Ohio State lost. So as an Ohio State fan, this is what you should reconcile with. If you do not make the playoff, even if some chaos happens, you cannot be upset because the opportunity was laid right in front of you and you did not seize it. But the majority of the game was actually played well on the Ohio State part outside of some big plays, and there were the plays that mattered in that game. So I think that this Ohio State team can compete on a national level. If you want to talk about do they deserve the opportunity to compete on a national level, I would be in the camp of no, they didn't, because they didn't do the things that winning football teams do in the most important game of the year. We're talking to Josh Perry from the Big Ten Network and Bally Sports here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez alongside Anthony Heron here at the Miller Lite Top Draft Show at Dunning Poorhouse over here on the northwest side. You know the beer's flowing, Josh. Um, I asked this question to Pete Futek on Saturday as we were hanging out together. And, and my question to him was, if Ohio State and Michigan were to play this game again next week, this upcoming Saturday, would it be the same result? What do you think? Uh, it's hard to relitigate games. Like I, I, I hate getting into that exercise, but it's something that we do as media people. And so I'm going to embrace it. Um, I'm, I don't know if the, the way it happens is the same. I think the outcome could be the same. I also think Ohio State could win the football game. Like, let's look at numbers here. J.J. McCarthy completed 50% of his passes. He had the huge gains. The three of them went for touchdowns, and those were the difference in the game. But you take those out, which is something you can't do in the game of football. J.J. McCarthy was under 50% passing, 42% passing, and he was, uh, he was 33% on deep balls, three of nine from the plays that I charted, right? So I think that you could say if Ohio State gets some of the big plays to go their way that this game looks totally different. Here's the thing that I can't get into in, in the thing that makes a difference in the game. Nine penalties for 91 yards for Ohio State. Some of the decisions to punt the ball instead of going for fourth downs for Ohio State. Do they make those same mistakes in the penalty game, the mental game? Do they make the same mistakes in terms of play calling? Those are the questions that you asked there. And so out, out of respect for the rivalry and what happened in that game, it's hard for me to want to relitigate it and say that Ohio State could have won the game and all these different things. Like Michigan State won, or excuse me, Michigan won it outright. But 
I think if you give Ohio State another chance at the game, the way that it plays out could certainly look different. And I would point to the first half of that game where Ohio State felt like they were in control for a lot of it as evidence of that. But this is what you get with heavyweights. I mean, we're talking about two of the top five teams in the United States of America. Uh, Michigan certainly has built a mentality within that program that they're going to weather storms, whatever comes. Ohio State certainly as talented as they are. Um, they're going to go out there and, and give you their best shot. That's the hard part about it. I know a lot of people are thinking about this idea that these two teams could meet in the college football playoff once again this year. Be really unique to see the way that it plays out, but we can't live in those hypotheticals. We have to live in what exactly happened in that game. And uh, Michigan deserves a lot of the credit for the way that they played. Joshua Perry, our guest here on the Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You can find him on Twitter at RIP underscore JEP. And he's on the Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline. The the rankings that came out tonight had Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two. And I did see some folks making the point before the rankings that perhaps Michigan's resume was deserving of being the number one team Stop it. in the country. Stop it. Now, you know, they got That's at least one, maybe two better wins than Georgia has on their resume. How do you see comparing the Wolverines with the Georgia Bulldogs? That was the interesting thing I was watching for. Like the things that you looked for in this ranking release was what did one and two look like? And then what do they do with Ohio state and Alabama? So for the Georgia, Michigan conversation, Michigan is going to get knocked by their out of conference schedule because you have some teams on there that you're supposed to be able to beat and you flip it over to Georgia. They scheduled Oregon. And even though it was basically a home game, it was a neutral site game and they were emphatic in their win against Oregon as the meat of the schedule plays out, there's a dominant win against Penn State who's sitting there at number eight, and there's a dominant win against Ohio State who's sitting there at number five. Those are two of the best wins that anybody could claim in college. Nobody has wins like that. Michigan's the only team that has wins like that. But as you start to dig into Georgia and what they've done as a body of work, I believe they have four top 25 wins in the current CFP rankings. That matters to the committee. And so we're going to sit back and we're going to look at this conversation about one and two. And I really don't think it matters because both of them are going to be in regardless of what happens this weekend. And we're going to say that if Michigan would have played a marquee opponent in the out of conference, they're probably sitting there in the number one spot right now. I mean, yeah, I guess it's a great argument to make and it's a great conversation to have. And I'm mad that I missed that one. And it does, it speaks to the discussion that people end up having. Are you looking to rank the four best teams? Are you looking to rank the four most deserving teams? Most deserving ends up speaking to what their resume said, what they actually accomplished throughout the season. So I guess it would be a matter, because it sounds to me, Gabe, like you're thinking there's no way Michigan would beat Georgia on the field of play, while at the same time, Michigan's resume at this point may be better than Georgia's. Well, I mean... I would have thought that prior to the Ohio State game. But okay. then once Michigan handled Ohio State, he said, okay, well, anything can happen. Uh-huh. You know, obviously, you know, Michigan has some really good skilled players. That's clear as day. But I think they, they probably would be more interested in, in having them meet up in the championship if they continue to win out. If Georgia, obviously, you know, takes down LSU and, 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 and such. But, yeah, maybe it's just because of the style of play of these Big Ten teams. You know, when I'm watching mm-hmm. the entire landscape of college football and I'm, I'm looking at Michigan, I'm not seeing them and being like, 
well, damn, that's a clear-cut number one team. They're uh-huh. you know just dominating everybody. But I do feel that way about Georgia. I mean, even from the very beginning of the season when they were facing Oregon and crushing them, like I don't know, it was like fifty to three or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But so so to me, that that one strikes me as as an odd conversation. But I mean, it's there, and it, and it, what's going to be interesting, Josh, is is that how this this weekend plays out. I mean, obviously with TCU, USC. I mean, what does that look like when these teams that are playing this extra game? You know where they're kind of essentially forced to win in order to stay in that in that top four so uh, my question to you before we let you go do you see this top four staying the same yeah i mean that's a hard one right the, the extra data point it's i mean it helps you it, it really hurts you more than it helps you at this point but you look at usc and they've got utah coming up utah beat them earlier in the year that game was played at utah it was a one-point game and everybody talks about how hard it is to beat a team twice in a football season. I firmly believe that it is difficult to do that. So USC to me seems to have the advantage and specifically the way they've played the last two weeks, their win over UCLA, who is a rival and what their defense was able to do at the end of the game, getting the takeaway. And they had four in that football game. Caleb Williams performance was phenomenal. Um, Like it seems like this is setting up And, and what they did against Notre Dame too, I thought was really impressive. Like USC's defense, has some legitimate issues to me, but they overcome those issues because they take the football away as well as anybody in the United States of America. And then on top of that, they score off of the turnovers better than anybody in the United States of America. Now you flip it to the other game going on in the Big 12. You got TCU and you got Kansas State. TCU was on the winning end of that matchup earlier on in the year. So Kansas State, it feels like to me, has the opportunity to knock them off because of what I talked about earlier and how it's harder to beat the same team uh, twice in one season. So these are going to be interesting games. If I'm a betting man, I say that one of those team, two teams loses, but at the same time, I could easily see either one of them winning. USC, like I mentioned, the offense is crazy. The defense takes the football away. Like Those are two things that you want to make sure you're able to do. And then for TCU, they have been battle-tested throughout this year, and I've got a, a guy who's on the inside of that program who I knew from my time at Ohio State. And I asked him about the rebuild there. I said, how did you guys get this thing coming the way that you have? And he said, it's a culture thing. They've got a strength coach who develops bodies and develops young men. They've got a head coach that everybody buys in and believes in. Um, And so these are two teams that I feel like won't stub their toe, but I'm just not going to be shocked if either one of them does. And that's why I say that one of those two probably loses this weekend. Well, I don't know what the line is. You mentioned, you know, if you were a betting man, I know Gabe is. I am. So I'll tell you the line. You give, what is uh, it? Well, how about you give Gabe a little preview of the Big Ten championship game then and see if the Wolverines have any chance of stubbing their toe in a game that they're probably heavily favored in. 16 and a half they're favored by. Really? Over Purdue? That's a okay. ton. Okay. That's a Sounds ton like of a lot. Sounds like a lot. So the preview the, the Big Ten quick. title game. The, the, the Purdue thing is interesting to me real quick because I was talking to Jake Butt, who is a uh, former All-American tight end at Michigan, won the Mackey Award for the best tight end in the country. He's at BTN now. And we both agreed that this would be a bad matchup for either Ohio State or Michigan because Purdue has been so up and down. But at their high end, they present a lot of challenges. Jeff Brom is 3-0 and against top five teams in his tenure at Purdue. Think about that. Um, and from what I've been told, he carries an inventory – of 30-plus gadget plays into every game. And I'm sure he's going to use all of those plays at some point in the football game. So Michigan's going to have to make sure that they start fast in this game and they have to weather some storms. 
Um, but I, I think the way that Michigan has played and specifically the way that they have adjusted at halftime and come out in the second half and executed game plans, it seems to me that this should be a victory for the Wolverines. I see them as a very mature team who's battle-tested and who has their, their heart and their mindset on winning a title. I don't think that they stub their toe. And if we're being completely honest, even if they do, they're going to be in the college football playoffs, so it doesn't really matter. Josh, we appreciate you, man. I, I agree with you. I think 16 and a half is a ton of points, especially for the way Michigan's been playing this year. And you're right. An unpredictable Purdue team uh, should be able to cover, or at least you would think so, if you are a gambling man. Josh, appreciate you hanging out with us today, man. Great stuff. Hey, you guys are the best. Appreciate you. Joshua Perry from Big Ten Network, also Bally Sports, co-host of The Rally with our guy. Russ Dorsey. Russ Dorsey. Brooke Fletcher. Um, all right, we got some more stuff to talk about on the other side. We got, a, we got a, one more segment, man. Yeah. We're still here hanging out. So I told you there was a topic I wanted to cover related to Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Neither guy saw the field the other day. And I think it's very instructive to Bears fans to think about why. Why as it relates to the Jets and how it should impact their perception of their young quarterback. All right. So how is our perception going to be changed? We'll find out on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron here at the top Miller Lite top draft show on 670. The score broadcasting live from Dunny Poorhouse. Let's go. We'll be back after this. We're back with more of the Miller Lite Top Draft Show at Dunning Poorhouse, 7718 West Addison, with Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron, presented by Miller Lite. It's Miller time on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, we got about 15 more minutes left still here at Dunning Poorhouse, man. Shout out to the people that are still at the bar drinking. I see it you. Men are lighting it. it. Shout out to the staff on a Tuesday, man. Going Jen all the way up. I see you, Jen. Been over here working. Yeah. Getting it in, too. The whole crew out here, clock. man, doing it. So, Anthony Heron, you were bringing up Gabriel. a very important point about Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Obviously, Justin Fields. The best quarterback in that draft. In the history of the universe. Oh, well, in that draft, then. I know. I tried to. I tried to. Right <laughs> you know, keep the, the expectations reasonable. There's right. Patrick Mahomes still out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick still Mahomes exists. still out there. He's walking um, the earth. But, but what, what were you trying to, what were you trying to, I know you were trying to pinpoint something specifically mm. about Zach Wilson. What was that? So, when you look at the reason, the Jets, a team in contention right now, benched their second-year quarterback who's made now 20 NFL starts. Justin Fields has made, I believe, 21 okay. NFL starts his second year in the National Football League. Zach Wilson, when you're just comparing the guys physically, Zach Wilson is a more talented passer than Justin Fields. Actually, he's got a bigger arm, probably throws with, with a little more sort of natural like zip, can, can kind of keep the ball on a string in ways that, that had folks salivating during the draft process as a part of his evaluation. He also played his college ball at BYU. And there, there is scrutiny. There's a fan base. People, people enjoy watching BYU, and they got a, a national fan base or whatever. But they don't necessarily week in and week out play in big games, big environments with all kinds of scrutiny. And Zach Wilson, as a prospect, was the guy who, almost like a Jay Cutler, where his immense physical ability – ended up sort of outweighing the evaluation of 
his his mental acumen okay. and his emotional maturity. So dude just not, hadn't even finished his second year in the NFL. I'm not out on Zach Wilson, but what we're seeing right now between the two franchises is the reason why, to me, it, it shocks me that Justin Fields fell down the draft. Well, you know, he fell out of the top ten. It's not like he fell to the, the sixth round or something like that. But but why several quarterbacks were perceived as as higher prospects coming out in that class than Justin Fields. I, I, I didn't understand that. And Zach Wilson is, is a case study why the mental and emotional end of playing quarterback is just as important, if not more, than the physical end of having you, – you got to have the physical tools, just the, the representative arm strength and mobility just for success at the NFL level. But when it comes down to it, to sustain that, to be consistent at that, you got to be mentally tough. You got to be willing to put the work in to consistently get better at your craft. And you have to be a leader of men. When you're being asked, especially in today's NFL, to be a starter early in your career, where all these, you're, you're maybe 21, 22 years old, you got a bunch of 35 year olds Ooh, in the locker room making looking millions. at you, making millions of dollars, looking at you to be the guy who's going to take their careers to another level. Because when you win in the NFL, that takes everyone's career to another stratosphere. If you get a ring, you're a part of some championship puzzle, everybody gets paid off that, not, during, not only during their playing career, but during their post-career avenues as well. When you got that Super Bowl ring, and everybody wants to achieve that. Zach Wilson up to this point, just like Baker Mayfield for, for a number of times, you know, when he was going through things in Cleveland and now in, in Carolina with the Panthers, there are reasons that guys who have the physical ability to play the position at a high level, the reason a lot of them don't thrive is not only their environment, which the environment matters, what system are you in, who's your coach, your offensive play caller, what talent's around you, and all those things. But Justin Fields, we are seeing his fortitude tested in Chicago in the midst of a rebuild after going through what he went through in his rookie season as well. And he continues to rise up, to find ways to make plays, and at every step of his development, both collegiately, and in the NFL, he's been a grown-up. He, he's an adult in every room he walks into. And that's one of those things that I think Bears fans, you, you got a real, you got a direct correlation and approximation and a, looking on the opposing sideline to one quarterback who was in street clothes because their team, before the end of his second season, said, we really don't want this dude out yeah. there for us anymore. Bears quarterback is in street clothes where everybody is just salivating to see more and more of him. And it's not because Justin Fields is more physically gifted than the guy that, that the Jets drafted. Yeah. The guy the Jets drafted is probably more physically talented than the dude who's been setting the world ablaze in the NFL for the last month and a half. But Justin Fields is a grown-up, and you have to be a grown-up to thrive at quarterback in the National Football League. I'm glad you said that, Ant, because – I look at guys like Justin Fields. I look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's about to start playing football again right. for the Cleveland Browns. And I wonder why winning isn't taken into consideration more than some of these other stats that are out there. You're looking at a guy like, like Justin Like in the Fields. draft evaluation? Yeah, in the okay. draft evaluation. Uh -huh. person. I mean, obviously you saw the Bears take Mitchell Trubisky over a guy like Deshaun Watson, <laughs> who had, had a proven track record, could win at a high level. Like you said, grown man, mm. leading a team, right? Uh, but, and then you look at Justin Fields, same thing. And obviously, even with Watson, you know, got an example of self-inflicted wounds for him that have put his career of in jeopardy. Course. Now he's in a position where he's going to get to be back out there and restart his career. We hope he does well, and we hope 
decisions from here, but there are so many things that can end up derailing you where you need to be mature in all these moments. But I guess it just seems like you're looking at Justin Fields right now and you're saying, why didn't everybody else see this? Yeah. Why didn't they say right. he wanted a high level, he had good attributes, he was a leader on the field, but yet we want to take you know, Trey Lance yeah. from a smaller school. We want to take, you know, Zach Wilson from BYU. We're considering Mac Jones instead of him. Like, and then all of a sudden, you know, here we are two years removed and we're thinking, well, yeah, it seemed like a, so obvious it's point, like right? a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, fortunately, we're on the we're on the receiving end of that and, and getting the opportunity so by, to, to watch Justin Fields do his thing. This show did fly Stuff's playing by, us man. off already, man. Well, you know, because I knew that our goodbye was going to be long, ladies and gentlemen, because you want to know why? Because I'm a sucker for a good cheer. So I want to just hype the crowd up one more time. I got low self-esteem, so I need a good cheer. That's what that is right there. These are better light draft shows, man. If you have not been out to one, make sure you come out next week, man. We want to thank everybody that's been involved. We want to thank our Miller Light reps, Chris and Michael. want to thank our 670 The Score promo team, Colleen and Eric. Want to thank the Dunning Poorhouse staff, Bobby, Erica, Jen, David, for holding us down, man, keeping the drinks flowing. Want to thank Rich Wyatt, our engineer extraordinaire, one of my good friends here at the station, man. Thank you so much, sir, for operating at such a high level. You set the standard for us, and we appreciate it. Also want to thank Adam Staczynski, our producer. Big round of applause for our producer, Adam Staczynski, back at the station. Appreciate you as well. I will be back on your airwaves tomorrow, 6 o'clock, myself and Mark Grody. For Gabe Ramirez, me, and my guy, Anthony Heron. Anything last words? we got like 10 seconds left for you. We at the poor Let's go! Mi gente! For Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to the Miller Lite Top Draft Show at Dunning Poorhouse, 7718 West Addison. Presented by Miller Lite. It's Miller Time on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. And always live on the free Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.